What are your biggest concerns when you look across what's happening in Utah? What should people be concerned about here? With specifically how we just recently have tried to change our accountability system in Utah, our school accountability system, it used to be grades. Now it's personalized competency-based learning. So the second step of that will be taking away our parental rights to make medical decisions for our children. And so if children have the rights to make their own medical decisions, they can go to school and get a prescription for puberty blockers and or an abortion without parental knowledge or well, consent. You don't, at that wow. point, you don't even need a parent anymore. No, you don't. <laughs> and welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston, and my lovely bride, Alexia Preston. How we doing? I'm doing excellent. You are doing excellent. <laughs> Hair's looking good. That's all that matters. On fire. <laughs> it's Friday. We, we, we do a lot of filming on Friday. Yeah, we love Fridays. Fridays are good days. So, welcome to the show today. Um, we've got a really cool guest we're going to be bringing on, someone who's recently been to the UN, United Nations. Yeah, one of our favorites. Yes, and she, we've ha- she's been on here many times. We'll introduce her in just a second. But um, <clears throat> first off, um, well, let's let's talk about what we're talking about. Let's let everyone give a sneak preview. Because this uh, guest, I will tell you right now, it is Lisa Logan. She's been at the UN, and uh, she has been... Prager U has brought her on. She, she has been all over national media, and she lives right here in Utah. And so uh, she's going to be talking about some things that are going on here in Utah, and not just Utah, but across the school nationally. There is a war ideologically over who the children belong to, and not just their education, but the whole child, including their emotional health. Uh, and so we're going to be digging into that. And one of the things I wanted to just share, kind of walking into this and why this matters is um, history tends to repeat itself and uh, Hitler understood the importance of educating children and in a speech he gave on November 6th 1933 he said when an opponent declares I will never come to your side I calmly say your child already belongs to us Mm. what are you you will pass on your descendants however now stand in a new camp in a short time they will know nothing else but this new community and uh, Stalin said that education is a weapon. And then he went on to say, ideas are more powerful than guns. We would not let our, have, our enemies have guns. Why should we let them have ideas? So there's always been a battle for the control of educating the children. And uh, we are seeing this in the U.S. ramp up at a massive, and it seems like accelerated rate right now. And uh, so I'm really excited to have, uh, have her on the show. But, but first off, let's, uh, let's uh, kind of give our show notes. Follow us on uh, Rumble, We Are The People UT, uh, Podbeam, Spotify, Apple, all the major podcasts, We Are The People UT, including Instagram. It's the same, uh, you know, We Are The People UT. Um, and this episode is brought to you by Jordan River Construction, Amazing Patriots, uh, again, these are the type of people who don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk, and we're thankful for them. So thank you, uh, Jordan River Construction. Thanks for being great patriots. Thanks for all your support. And without further ado, Alexia, would you want to introduce our amazing guest? I'd be happy to. Let's do it. All right. Well, welcome back, Lisa. Lisa thank you Logan. for having me. <laughs> it's great to have you. Lisa Logan is the host of YouTube channel Parents of Patriots. In addition to being a mom of three, she has a secondary education teaching credential in physical education and dance, and also serves on the board of a local charter school. To spread the word about the dangers of transformative social-emotional learning, Lisa has presented for various think tanks and organizations across the United States, been on numerous podcasts with a national platform, and was interviewed for the documentary Identity Marxism. You can find her on Substack at Education Manifesto and on Twitter, I am Lisa Logan. Welcome back. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to be back. You guys are fun people to be with. Oh, well, and let me just say, if you haven't read some of her Substack articles, they're amazing. So oh, thank you. It, it's a give it a follow. Um, you know, we'll try to put sh- some in our show notes, but it, yeah. but her Substack is great. Your Twitter, you're killing it on Twitter. <laughs> so it's uh, it's great to follow Lisa, not only us, but we have some great, great content through Lisa as well. Yeah. And, and in fact, her whole story of how she got to the UN is, is amazing too, because she didn't seek that. I mean, she was sought out uh, based on, you know, the content that she was putting out and, and the awareness that uh, 
she's been bringing to to people who are concerned about uh, what's going on with our children. So enough from us. Tell tell us about uh, the UN. Tell us what what was that all about? What what, what is it you were? Um, what was your message there? What what did you see? What should our listeners and viewers? So some context there. So so you just came back from from presenting uh, to the UN. Yeah, it was actually just last month. Okay. Um, I went to New York to the UN headquarters there, and uh, I presented at both a side event, because um, they have or, uh, ones that are on campus that aren't, aren't necessarily um, put on by the, like, the whole General Assembly, like where they have their huge meetings, right? Um, so it was a conference room at the UN, and then I did another parallel event uh, at the Salvation Army for a different uh, uh organization that is really about faith and family. Awesome. So tell us what was the message that uh, you shared there? Because you actually presented, right? Right. Uh, I presented twice and my message was mostly around, I wanted to keep it real center of the road, right? Depend, depend, no matter what your political affiliation is, no matter what you believe, I mean, didn't even really talk about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. What I did was I started with a quote by a guy named Mike Mark Garrison, and he wrote a paper, and he basically said, you know, SCL is a form of schooling for life as a virtual human at best or a robot at worst. And then I talked about why. Um, so I kind of started out uh, talking about my journey into all of this. Uh, so you know, when Second Step, which is one of the most widely used programs in the whole nation, uh, it reaches 20 and a half million students across the United States per year. It's also used in 70 other countries and translated into different languages. So I talked about how uh, when that came to my child's school, I just was like poking around a little bit. I was like, what is this all about? You know, I looked at their website first and I was like, ooh, ooh, you know, trigger words already on their website. Um, and they talked about how they subscribe to a form of social emotional learning that had just come out called transformative SEL. And I was like, What's that about? I've never heard that before. Uh, put out by the organization CASEL, which is um, C-A-S-E-L. Uh, it's the Collaborative for Academic Social-Emotional Learning. And they set the standards for all social-emotional learning programs. So many states won't even accept programs that aren't CASEL approved. Um, most people, even if they don't have a program, they use CASEL's framework. There's like five different competencies that they want students to learn. And I think what what your audience has to understand is that our whole education system has been reframed around teaching, measuring, and tracking students' adoption of these skills. So, I mean, and it, and it sounds really amazing on the surface, right? Well, kids are learning empathy, and they're learning perspective-taking, and social responsibility, and self-management. But the way a lot depends, though, on who gets to define those skills, mm -hmm. um, how they're teaching those skills, and we can talk about how they kind of manipulate a lot of these things through the way they teach it, and then what they're using, that the data they're collecting on kids' adoption of these skills, what, they're gonna, what they plan to use that for. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of started there, and then talked about how um, no matter what your political affiliation is, this should scare you, because um, if all of these things are decided by actors with a political or societal agenda, right, it it then, education itself, and you did a really good job with that quote at the beginning, uh, Hitler also said, he who owns the youth gains the future. Mm -hmm. And if political actors are deciding what these terms are, then education is being used as a tool for social behaviorism. And actually, John Dewey talked a lot about yeah. this, you know, right? He talked about um, kind of combining the aspects of education and psychology and, use, you know, manipulating the psychological aspects of learning as a means of manipulating the child. Um, so who is the audience here? You are presenting to the UN or at the UN headquarters. Is it UN folk or, or is this imitation only? Who is the audience for this? So you have to understand the UN is a conglomeration of many, many different countries. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> one of the things I understood when <laughs> after my first presentation, uh, a lady who's kind of high up, um, in one of the African countries, she's like in charge of their education there. She came up and she gave me this beautiful card. It was almost like a credit card. It was so nice. Um, and she asked me, she goes, are you at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
Ron. <laughs> no, um, but that's interesting that she asked me that because I think in her mind, you know, they see they see these foundations in their countries giving their country their countries money to implement an education agenda. They think they're good actors. Yeah. They have no idea that they have these intentions of bringing in these these other things, right? Like that destroys their families. And so um, many of the, uh, actually many of the African countries and actually went after my presentations, I went to the Nigeria house, which is just a few doors down from my hotel um, and saw a, another presentation there from Family Watch International. And you can see how many of these African countries are trying so hard to keep the UN agenda, specifically this whole agenda of comprehensive sexuality education and this blurring of lines of what is a man and what is a woman and all this kind of stuff out of their countries because it lo- they, they realize how destructive it is to their family and their society as a whole. You know, the whole concept we've been hearing a little bit about is uh, the transhumanism, which I think is alluded to with all this transformative SEL and artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's a lot of chatter about it and, and maybe people don't understand it. Uh, very well. Is that something that you found to be a, a underlying theme uh, in, in some of the things they're trying to push through? Well, I, the whole conference itself, it's, uh, the UN's conference was called the um, Conference on the Status of Women, or CSW. Mm-hmm. And the, it was interesting. At the very first uh, presentation, that parallel event that I did off campus at um, the Salvation Army, uh, there was such a beautiful spirit in there and um as as the organization i was there with big ocean women talked about faith and family and how you know they were they were there to give these um because the whole conference itself was about you know getting women more involved in technology and digitization and um you know and a lot of that kind of takes women away from you know getting women involved in the workforce and a lot of that takes a women's role away from being mothers and um being able to provide for their families. And, um, you know, they, uh, Big Ocean Women was there. They partnered with a tech company and had wiped clean these uh, laptops and it loaded onto them the good and the beautiful curriculum. Because, you know, that way these families could have this wonderful homeschooling curriculum on these laptops and be able to use that rather than go to the schools that are trying to indoctrinate their kids but it was more convenient maybe to, to bring them to. And so they offered a, a way for that convenience to come into their home. And I thought that was really beautiful um, part of it. But, you know, as far as the people at the UN, you have delegates from all of these other countries, like mm-hmm. all coming together and, you know, attending to find out, like, what, what is next for their countries and what should be invested in. So, so how was how everything received from these different delegates from these, from these different countries? Was it like eyes open like wow I had no idea this was going on or was it like some level of cognitive dissonance that this couldn't possibly be such a nefarious agenda how was how was it received it's funny the two different events I spoke at had very two different uh, outcomes (laughs) the first time like I said the, the spirit in the room was very beautiful and wonderful and all these women came up and it was almost like they felt like it was a breath of fresh air after going to, you know, days and, I mean, because I, I presented kind of further on into the conference, um, like three or four days in, and you could tell, like, they're like, wow, there, there's an organization presenting here that believes in faith and family and, and, and wanting to, you Usually know, doesn't go along with the UN very well, but. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. And, I, and again, that, that there was that spirit of, wow, like, this is really cool. This is beautiful. And you could see a lot of people in the audience with tears in their eyes, um, it, it was really, I mean, like many of them came up and like, I want to be a big ocean wave, you know, which is kind of like their cottage for their country. Uh, so that was really beautiful. And then, you know, several hours later, I presented on the UN campus um, and we had a packed room. It was a small conference room, but it was packed standing room only. And after uh, the third person was done talking, uh, we had people yelling at us in the audience uh, from a lot of these Eastern European countries because uh, they did not like what, especially the gentleman from CFAM had to say about how the whole agenda to erase the boundaries between what is a man and what is a woman was actually against the original UN uh, want to have gender equality. 
uh, I mean, we see even just even with the Title IX stuff that was passed yesterday um, under President Biden, you know, saying now that you cannot um, exclude transgender people from, you know, identifying as whatever they are and then participating in that sport, um, which really heavily, you know, it, it cuts into all of the gains that we've made to make sports equitable, you know, and equitable meaning it's equal ridiculous. opportunity, right? Because right. when they say equitable, they mean equal outcomes, right, for all, not equal opportunity. So, um, so like I said, that there was people yelling. There was a, a gentleman there in a sequin dress. Um, <laughs> it was interesting. Um, <laughs> I love that you, uh, that you went there and you just called it all out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and, I, and, and I'm sure there's people that are excited because people are hungry for truth too. It's true, yeah, and and I I think it's beautiful that there are there's a coalition of countries um, from various you know places, Belarus, Qatar, uh, Egypt, and other places who have a coalition going at the UN um, to host events like that that really focus on the family. Yeah, I think uh, Qatar during what was the World Cup didn't they ban? What did they ban? It had something to do with trans or, or homosexuality, and they banned it. And there was this huge outrage um, against Qatar. But they were just like, "This is fundamental. Like, this is our country. This is what we stand for." So it became like uh, the opposite of what they were trying to achieve by having equality. It was just like made them the enemy. But in, in actuality, they really are just standing up for what what's natural, right? So, Exactly. I, we'll have to find that article. Yeah, tell us about, because uh, there's one of the things Lexi and I have been fascinated by lately is um, AI. I mean, it is, it is going to fundamentally completely change everything in, in a way that we've never seen this world change. Um, and you mentioned AI in education. How do you see, what, what's coming? T t tell us what's coming down the road with AI and how that will affect our children in schools. Well, it kind of brings it back to what I was talking about earlier about, you know, we're creating virtual humans or robots through social emotional learning. So when you, when you think about how, what's happening right now in education is a thing called personalized learning, right? And a lot of that's facilitated by a teacher right now, right? They, they gather data on the student through an assessment. They say, okay, the child, child's lacking in these particular skills. Uh, then they provide instruction back to the student um, in a specific way to get them to raise their skill level in that particular skill. Well, if that's put in the hands of AI, and then we still have these political actors deciding what's programmed into that AI, uh, then when we talk especially about social-emotional skills, we're taking the beautiful right of a parent to birth a child, mold and shape their character throughout the you know 18 years we get blessed to have them live in our home, and then we send them off to college, and we hope that, you know, the stuff that we uh, taught them as they grew up, it, it sticks with them, and they, they have good moral character and, and participate in society is that we, we're, we're taking that and we're putting the responsibility for that into the hands of an of a AI computer, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about that feedback loop and that the AI decides what instruction, I mean, it's just going to keep on. How does that work? Tell us, I mean, how does that, what does that look like, the AI in their teaching? Well, it's already involved in their teaching, unfortunately. I mean, we're seeing so many ed tech programs come into schools and teaching kids instead of teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's already embedded. The assessment's embedded. They, they realize, you know, they measure where the child clicks and um, how long they take to answer questions. And then they, they provide that instruction back to the student through that ed tech program um, to get them to the skill level they want them to be. And so, a lot of these EdTech programs, unfortunately, are run by people who are globalists. Mm. Um, they want our children to be global citizens, um, which is not even a thing, right? It's not even, <laughs> you can't be a global <laughs> citizen. Um, but, but they want them to basically be taught and to become advocates for the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And so our education is now being taken completely out of the hands of local control, right? And having, you know as a stakeholder in the community, right? Parents being able to, to have input on how our children are taught at school um, or even our district members or even our, you know, teachers and putting it into the hands of people who have a complete political and collective ideology agenda. 
Are they trying to create um, activists out of the kids? Oh, absolutely. Right, and you see this through uh, their manipulation of what it means to be empathetic and what it means to take someone else's perspective. So, uh, you know, they do this already because SEL has been embedded into all of our academic standards. So, right, they can take a math problem. And I've seen this happen, actually. Do you want to break down SEL for everyone real quick? And we've, we've talked about it, mentioned it several times. Do you want to break that down? Right, so social-emotional learning uh, is a mental health program. Um, a lot of times it gets brought into schools because, you know, like an, under anti-bullying or, you know, positive mental health. But uh, it has, like, five components, you know, and they all kind of feed into the, the next one, right? So... Um, like I said, responsible decision-making is kind of one of the last ones. That's the activist piece, right? But they talk about um, social, you know, self-management, managing your emotions, making responsible decisions. Uh, Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds great yeah. on the surface. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, again, it, but it has nothing to do with, like, actual education. I mean, no, we're not talking about... It's not academic. About, about math. We're not talking about science. No. We're, ta- we're talking about emotional things. Right. I mean, h- how we see the world. Right. Ethics. Yeah, which which doesn't belong in schools, right? And so um, the interesting part, so social-emotional learning kind of has already had that little moral bent where you're kind of like, oh, no, that crossed the line. But now they're starting to incorporate spirituality. A lot of these SEO programs that are coming out now saying, but but no, it's not religion. It's just spiritual but not religious. Well, it's anti-God, if anything. Right. But And, and actually... How, how are they doing that? How are they incorporating... Religion, spirituality. So, for instance, uh, the Question Project, um, Quest in capital letters, uh, it's put out by a mentalist called Gerard Senehy. And that program's already in the Bronx um, in a lot of the schools in New York. And uh, they piloted a lot of the charter schools and things like that. And it asked questions like, who am I? What is my purpose? Hmm. Um, and there was actually a really good paper written by Ben Clements, and he talks about how um, those kinds of questions violate the First Amendment because the, the state should, is not allowed to have a state-sanctioned religion. And so, uh, and actually, the scary part is even if you dig into the roots of who started social-emotional learning, which is the Fetzer Institute, um, they're the ones that, in 1994, that's where Castle was born, that's where the definition of social-emotional learning was born, John Fetzer was heavily into uh, the teachings of Alice Bailey, who was a theosophist. And um, so if you look at all of these things and you look at theosophy and kind of the, the underlying um, worldview of those people, it actually is a, a religion, big G Gnosticism, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S-M. <laughs> I think that's right. I'm like spelling off the cuff. But yeah, so it actually is a religion. And I think that Right now, as a country, we should be heavily pushing back on that and saying this is a violation. Um, we need to start lawsuits. Uh, we really need to start saying SEL is a non-academic. It does not belong in our schools. Um, that should not be the role of the school to teach morals to our children or religion. Um, and secondly, we're, we're allowing teachers to act as psychologists through a lot of the questions we're asking kids through social-emotional learning. Some things that... Um when I listened to your speech at the UN, you talked about was that a lot of things that they're teaching these kids through SEL is to, is ch- to challenge the thinking of their parents. Mm-hmm. How, how much of a problem is that in our school systems today, where there's things that are being taught, where the kids are being taught to challenge the questioning of, of their, and, and to, they're, where they're being taught to challenge or question their parents? A lot. Um, they're having a lot of these kind of, um, what do they call them? Not symposiums, but uh, where they all get together and discuss these questions, right? And like they have to research something. Um, but a lot of it's very bent towards a certain political view. And um, also, you know, when, when I looked through the Second Step Social Emotional Learning Program myself through the eighth grade, um, it's funny when they talk about who supports the child. Who can the child turn to when they have questions? Who, who's there for the child when they're they're having these questions about their identity and about what their their purpose in life is? They say, talk to a teacher, talk to a counselor. Like parents are hardly ever mentioned, and if they are, they're the last one. <laughs> and so, if and and 
when you start talking about questions of purpose and whatever else, and, and that parent has raised their child in a certain way to, and most of the time it's, that's around our faith, right? Whatever that faith is, right? Uh, or your moral standing, right? What your beliefs are. And that child is raised in that and then taught to question that at school, you know, especially with this whole idea that there are more than two sexes. Mm. Um, most people, most faith traditions teach that there are only two sexes. And so um, when they go to school and they see uh, this whole affirmative environment um, or that uh, kids can identify as furries or things like that, it, it makes them question objective reality. Right, like what is objective reality, and so, and the ba- and the boundaries are always being pushed because it started as okay, it's just going to be uh, homosexuality, right? Okay. And that was that was you know the first step, and then it became uh, trans, mm-hmm. and then it became furries, and now uh, you're having people identify as children, trans ageism, things like that. So I think that we're only still one foot in the door with just how far this can go. Well, I think what, what you have to understand, too, about queer theory, and um, my friend Dr. Lindsay talks about this a lot, is that it has no limiting principle, mm-hmm. right? So as soon as, as soon as we adopt whatever that is, whatever the new societal, societal you know, structure is, it has to continually be critiqued and brought into a different thing. So there is no, it, it will go further and further. And then the scary part is, right, when if, you know, with the second step program, I was able to find that they were sexualizing children very early. Um, they introduced them to the concept of comprehensive sexuality education and through consent. Um, so they asked the question, um, you know, what's the difference between sexual harassment and flirting, for instance, right? And they say, well, it depends on how you feel about it. <laughs> so if you're showing pictures of a sexual nature of school, the message not, oh, well, that's, you know, wrong, never should happen. It's like, well, the category it falls in depends on how you feel about it. Um, so when you, when you see kids sexualize this early, and there was two links actually in there, um, especially one was called loveisrespect.org. It led kids to uh, a website that talked about five tips for your first time. And, uh, and what, what to age do group is this? 12 and thir- eighth grade. Oh, 12 and 13 year olds, right? Um, you know, what to do if your partner's blackmailing you, um, things like that. And that website led them to other websites like Scarletine where they could learn how to, how to have a safe self-managed medical abortion and ask questions like, am I still a feminist if I'm into BDSM? I mean, like it was- Or eighth graders. Eighth graders. And so, you know- Is when, this also here in Utah, this type of stuff? Well, second step is still taught, like uh, after Stacy and I went through the curriculum and, and we, got, we got this on the news because we had found those links- and our, our school district barely voted it out. It was a four to three vote. Second step exists already in many other school districts across our state. Um, they are still using that program. Second step did take out that link after we exposed it. Good for you. Excellent. Um, but probably pretty mad at us. Um, <laughs> you're, you're doing something right. <laughs> um, but, you know, and that's what we're talking about, though, with, with the queer theory. It's like, what, what, what is next? You know, is age going to be a social construct at some point? So yep. why, why are they obsessed with, you know, they, they, their own words, queering our children with, with sexualizing the children? What, why is there such an obsession with that? I mean, it seems like it's, it's insane, like this a push. A war what, on truth? Is it, is it a war on truth? What, why, why do they want to sexualize these kids? What, is, what do you think is behind that? Well, it's this whole push for socialism. I mean, Kimberly Ells does a really good job explaining this in her book, uh, The Invincible Family. It's like uh, a lot of the feminists believe that uh, women are in a prison because they have to parent their children. And so so they, they believe society should just be like a free-for-all, like everyone's raising everybody's kids, you know, it takes a village kind of stuff, uh, and that children should have rights, you know, including sexual rights, to decide what happens with their bodies. And so not only do I think there's this whole socialism agenda and feminism and stuff like that, but there's also, I mean, there is a, a, a big, with this whole medical push, right, on letting kids decide their own choices, right? I, I had the pleasure of meeting Chloe Cole and talking to her, and, uh, you know, we wore the signs with Billboard Chris um, outside, you know, of Congress, and uh, and it was so amazing to see her standing there saying children can't consent to puberty blockers, because she was told at a very young age that, yeah, this isn't going to harm you, this isn't going to hurt you, 
Um, but what we have to understand is that the people who are deciding what harm is, what abuse is, are the same people who are partnering with, you know, these public-private partnerships and making money off the medicalization of our kids, right? Getting them puberty blockers, getting them these very expensive transition surgeries. Um, and unfortunately, they're, they're going to eventually say that, hey, listen, you know what, what else is harm? What else is child abuse if you don't affirm your child? Mm. And, and, and again, this is a slippery slope that we have to stop. Right. So let's talk about Utah. Um, what are your biggest concerns when you look across what's happening in Utah? What should people be concerned about here in the schools? Specifically how social emotional learning is being expanded. Um, so it's not just a program anymore. Again, it's, it's everywhere. And now um, with specifically how we just recently have tried to change our accountability system in Utah, our school accountability system, it used to be grades. Now it's personalized competency-based learning. Why? It's so that children can learn anytime, anywhere, and learn these competencies, and that could be, you know, that's what's going to be decided as what helps them move forward in their academic career. But that also has another agenda, right? If you can learn anytime, anywhere, then any place you learn can be... Um, a school, right? <laughs> a learning environment. And so uh, what specifically is being pushed in our state and states across the nation is a thing called whole school, whole child, whole community, or the WISC model, W-S-C-C. And what the plan is, is to have community schools. And this kind of ties in, you know, your other guest, Chelsea, comes on and she talks about those 15-minute cities. They want school to be the community hub of those 15-minute cities. So the whole idea is school is where everything will be, will be available to the child for their well-being, right? But they get to define what well-being of is. Of course, yeah. Um, so that means we're not just going to have hearing and vision screenings at school. We're going to have the ability for them to get any kind of services at school. Mental health through a psychologist, um, spiritual health. Uh, we're talking about pelvic exams at school. And so you see like in... Um, in California, you know, these public-private partnerships they enter into to, to provide services to the children as a part of this model, they can refer students off campus to Planned Parenthood. So the second step of that will be taking away our parental rights to make medical decisions for our children. And so if children have the rights to make their own medical decisions, they can go to school and get a prescription for puberty blockers and or an abortion without parental knowledge or well, consent. You don't, at that wow. point, you don't even need a parent anymore. No, you don't. The, the government, the school, the community will raise your child for you. Absolutely. That's and, the goal. And same thing with AI. I mean, mm -hmm. we, what we were talking about earlier, I mean, you could essentially, if we get to the point where some of these chat GBT programs, if you can program them to do your work for you or do your mm -hmm. trade for you, what's to stop AI from becoming your parent. Right. And this is also a way that they can indoctrinate not just the students and the teachers at school through professional development right. and the social emotional learning program must be because every place is a learning place. And now there's this whole uh, alliance called the social, the, sorry, it's the science of learning and development. And so they're saying every environment that a child goes into to learn has to have a certain type of environment to be safe and inclusive and belonging and all that kind of stuff. So that means every learning environment that that children can go into, they're going to have to be trained in the right way to interact with that child and the right mindsets and behaviors that they need to have to interact with that child. So this is how you expand. Is that including at home? Is that what that's supposed to include is, is their the learning environment is their home? I believe that that is also going to be included in that environment. I mean, this reminds me of a story you were telling me about uh, in Russia, the USSR, with the gulags, where you had uh, children uh, calling the police, essentially, ratting out their parents. Right. Um, what was that one story you were telling me about uh, one kid who had his whole family imprisoned? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 what they did in, in, in the Soviet Union. It's interesting because we... <laughs> We don't talk about the Soviet Union. I mean, it, it is so not talked about. We were so taught quick in this country in the media to talk about Hitler and talk about um, you know, Nazis, but we don't talk about the Soviet Union. We don't talk about communism. And I think it's because it's, look over there at that form of, of uh, tyranny, but don't look at this because this is what we're actually doing. And they, if, if, if people could pay attention to Marxism, communism, they would see that this is exactly what they did there is they pulled the kids out of the, they believed that they would, this, 
the kids were were comrades. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it, you were you belonged to the state. Now it's the modern day ally, right? Right. And, and it was selfish for the, for the mother to want to be a mother. The title mother was selfish because the children did not belong to you; they belonged to the state. And and that is and and, and it's just wild because and it was the same things. In fact. You know, they said that it was be, that it was they, they put out you know propaganda that it was beneath the mother to be have to stay home and do those type of duties that she should be able to go out and and work alongside the men. Right. Well, and, they call it unpaid work. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they got they encouraged the women to go out and encourage them to have abortions, encourage them, mm -hmm. and, and then they encouraged the children to be raised by the state. And the school right. became the everything for these kids. And and uh, and it just and as I'm listening to you talk, it uh, just brings back everything I've learned about what happened in the Soviet Union. And I just find it fascinating that they don't talk about it. You know, we, nobody's talking about the Soviet Union, and yet that's exactly what we're doing. And the end result was you had the kids ratting out the parents and the kids sending the parents to the gulags. But it, instead it's on steroids. I mean, think about if Hitler or Stalin had the Internet or mm -hmm. had the resources oh. mm -hmm. we had AI now. Or, or AI. AI. Right. Yeah. Well, oh, and then another. So first of all, I think I want to expand on what you just said as far as the Soviet Union. We also didn't talk about communist China, right? Mm, um, right? The whole cultural revolution that happened in China with Mao and how they literally used education as a tool to create the Red Guard. And I had the amazing opportunity to be in a Twitter space with uh, Dr. Lindsay, Shi Van Fleet, and um, Lily Tang Williams the other night. And uh, especially she and, and Lily were talking about, because uh, they grew up in communist China and they, they you know, kind of expanded on their experiences there and, and exactly, you know, how you have this red identity or this black identity and the black identity is bad and the red identity is good and um, parents, you know, children were writing out their teachers. Actually, uh, uh, Lily was saying one of the first killings in her town was students writing out a teacher for not teaching enough, I guess, of Mao's um, philosophy and she was killed by wow. her students. Wow. And, uh, and you know, Kids were, you know, encouraged to rat out their parents or anybody else in the community, and they were saying that, like, it was funny because the adults would just, like, be on, like, you know, walking on eggshells around children because they didn't know if they would say something that would send them to go report them. Right. Yeah, it's just scary. You know what's funny is when we were raising our, our kids, our girls, and this was, I mean, I mean, they're 20 now, so it wasn't that long ago, but... It was interesting back then. I had, a, you know, I was very strict about the cartoons because even back then, it was it became such a huge theme that the chill child was the good guy and the bad guy was always the mom and dad. Mm -hmm. It was it was the child versus the parents. The parents were dumb. The parents were, were foolish. The parents didn't understand. And there's so many movies that are groom, that have been grooming these kids to disrespect authority, disrespect yep. their parents. And that was back, you know, 15 years ago. 90s. And now you've got the schools pushing it. You've got um, the media. I mean, it's 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 actually. I'm glad. It, I mean, to, to raise kids now would be very uneasy. Right. Well, and and it's funny. Um, one of the videos I posted yesterday on my Twitter was Tim Shriver, who was the board chair of Castle and runs Special Olympics. He's the one who's who really got SEL in here through Abby Cox. Mm. Um, huh. In Utah. Yes, in Utah. <laughs> through who? Abby Cox, governor. Abby Cox, wife. Oh, Governor Cox's okay. wife. He had me. <laughs> uh, but can you tell us a little bit how he and Abby got SEL in Utah? Well, so I actually have a video on my YouTube channel. Um, it's called "A Link Between Ranked Choice Voting, um, Education Reform, and Something Else." Oh, I'd love to share that clip. Yeah. So, so basically, um, it's it's not a t super long video, but they kind of oh, in the COVID response. So those those three were all linked because you have to understand Tim Shriver, who was a Kennedy Shriver. Um, uh, his dad, Sergeant Shriver, was involved with Ashoka and the Empathy Initiative, so you can see where all that came from, Sorry. right? Um, he <laughs> he has three nonprofits, um, the COVID Collaborative. He has Unite, which is behind the whole push for religious pluralism. Um, and then he has another one called um, gosh, Unite Civic. Is it Civic LLC? Anyway, so these three work together. Um, so they first come in, obviously, through the COVID response. Right. And then they say, oh, you know, your children are suffering such bad mental health. We need to get, you know, we need to get some social emotional this learning is what in they your did schools. Utah as well. With yes, that, this that, is exactly what they Cox's did life. with Utah. Um, you need some and, and also partnering with them to do, oh, no, 
I mean, because Special Olympics has such a beautiful message, of right? Course. We're helping kids with disabilities participate in sports. Um, so that was another kind of backdoor. So they're kind of working with them with that with her first lady initiative called, I think it was Show Up. It was what the initiative was called. And then uh, then they help provide the COVID response. And, th- and it's funny, if you, it's just like with Chelsea's videos, right? Like oh. the same people serve <laughs> on the same boards. It's the same, you know, and the same people that are on his civic, uh, sorry, um, COVID collaborative are the same people who serve on the organization that Biden just uh, appointed to push this whole blockchain and education thing. So it's just, you know, it's like it all, they all it's work the same together. Actors. It's same one actors. big club. One big it's, club. It is and a you're big not club. a That's part right. of it, right? Yeah. And we don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> no, no. We, we want to take it down. <laughs> no, no, we want to take it down. I mean, if we needed to mind map something like this, it, because it, it's all intertwined, it's one mm-hmm. big tangle, you know, this would be like 0.01% because everything goes outward from there, but it's all the same, same, same actors. actors. Yeah. yeah. Right. So then they brought SEL into the schools. And the other, the other organization, um, Unite, partners with uh, the uh, it was COVID Collaborative, Castle and Unite. So Unite partners with Fair Vote, and they're the ones that push the rank. Once they get in, you know, and they're already doing SDL, then they, they're already kind of involved with the state members, and then they push the whole ranked choice voting thing. So, I mean, really what we're seeing in general is a push to completely change America mm-hmm. from a constitutional republic to a democracy. So when you, you know, they keep referring to us as a democracy and they keep forgetting that we have a constitution and that we, you know, elect members, but what they want is mob rule. They, right. and, and this is why SCL fits kind of so perfectly in all of this, is they're creating the mob mm-hmm. through our children to become the activists yes. to then push their agenda, whether that be open borders, whether that be the transgender agenda, whether, whether that be um, reparations or whatever mm-hmm. it is they're trying to push, but they're getting the kids to think in a way that favors the progressive agenda that's so crazy because i mean how can you not see again hi- history i mean it's 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 the same game plan well and it's mean, also it's the same trojan horse too i mean what what was it before it was crt mm-hmm. which they said oh it's, oh, it's we, not yeah, even a real thing and then we yeah and then we challenge all our reps and the reps so oh we got rid of crt it's gone now and, <laughs> and then we find out they just re- rebranded it you know and it's the same and it's even worse well, and it's not even rebranded. I think what people have to understand is social emotional learning is the way to get in the back door, whether that be comprehensive sexuality education, the concepts of critical race theory, um, you know, social justice activism, all that stuff. It gets in the back door, which you can't pass through the front door. Mm-hmm. right? Because these subjects can be manipulated. Like I was saying, this prodigy math, right? Um, oh, they're incorporating SEL. How? Well, they have a, a math problem about there's 30 students in a class, 15 of them um, you know, identify as transgender. What is the ratio of trans, you know, oh, so is it, no, non-binary. Non-binary students to binary students. And it's like, or who do identify as non-binary. And it's like, first of all, you have to accept the premise that it's so prevalent that half of this class identifies as non-binary which is ridiculous, right? That's just not the percentages that are actually but out there. But I will tell you, it is getting there. It's getting 20% there, right? 20% of Generation social Z. social contagion, yeah. Yeah, 20% of Generation Z now identifies as LBGTQ plus whatever. Right, and and um, there was a movie that went out called um, The Mind Polluters, and actually Alex Newman was in there talking about how in a five-year span, I think it was 2000 to 2015, the amount of children um, getting prescribed puberty blockers in our state jumped 10,000 times, like percent or whatever it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, tell me that's not a social contagion, right? Because there are people who get born and they're confused about their gender. They have gender dysphoria. That's actually a thing, right? But what we're seeing now is whole groups of teenagers coming out together as non-binary or transgender or whatever. And that's just, this is, it's become a, a, a cool thing. It's because it's easier to identify as a different minority in society, right, that can be oppressed, then identifying, and we're seeing a lot of the students that are coming out like this are white students because they're they're getting taught in school, if you're white, you have power and privilege and you're you're evil. Yeah. So you might as well just be non-binary so you can be the oppressed. Right. It's the victim mentality. Yeah, and and that's why I think this type of content is so important to get out to, not just the parents, but the kids, though, because the kids that are trying to stand up for conservative values are feeling attacked. Oh yeah. They're feeling attacked. They're feeling like there's no one there listening to them. like they're, they're being told they're the bad guys. And, uh, it's sad. 
And I think some parents, to some degree, I think this is a lesser, but it's almost, you know, for a certain section of the population, it's cool to have a non-binary kid and promote that and let Mm -hmm. your kid decide. So you have it coming from both angles, both in the schools, and then you also have the parents. And I guess these are the millennial generations or whoever uh, might be impressionable to this. You know, uh, Jordan Peterson had an interview with uh, Dennis Prager, and they were talking about... um, Ironically, you know, the belief in God. And it was about an hour-long conversation. And at one point, um, Dennis Prager turns to Jordan. I think it was Dennis Adams. And says, is it even beneficial? Is it, is it, is it still, what did he ask? I think something along the, along the lines of, is it, is it, does it do more harm than good? Is our education system, and they're talking about the second, about college, is it doing more harm than good? And they both came to the agreement that it was that our that our edu- that our secondary education system does more harm to our kids than good. For parents in Utah that are sending their kids to school, how, where do you think our our how how, how what, what would you say about our, our our school systems here in Utah, elementary, junior high, high school? How how much harm is it doing to these kids? A lot of harm, especially if students don't know how to deal with that. And I think that's where you're talking about the responsibility of the parents, Alexia, is that I think not enough parents talk to their kids about what they're seeing at school, mm-hmm. how they're processing it. Like our, Since our kids were young, we've had conversations around the dinner table about what is communism, what is socialism, like why is capitalism fantastic, you know, <laughs> like why America is the greatest place to live. We talk about history at our dinner table. We talk about World War II, you know, my... My grandfather uh, liberated concentration camps um, in Europe when he served under Patton in, in World War II. And, so cool. um, and, and I was talk to you tell him about the stories that my grandfather told me and how, you know, whole towns around these concentration camps never did anything. They could smell the bodies burning and didn't do anything. And so you teach your kids to, to stand up for what they believe in and to not be complacent. And I think not enough parents are having those kind of conversations with their kids. Of course not. Why? Because with the economy the way it is, with the cost of living the way it is, with with rent and mortgages the way they are, it's like you've got and and the and the family falling apart. You've got single mothers who are who are strapped to the gills. I mean, they, they can't. I mean, they are completely overburdened. They get home. They you know they've, the kids are with obviously oftentimes the daycare babysitters. They're trying to get dinner. They're oftentimes going and getting fast food. They're not having sit-down dinners. And, and, and we're so busy. We have become so busy that, that where is the time to sit down with our children each day and say, hey, what do you learn about in school? And the problem is with the kids is this, is this has become normalized, what's happening in schools. Mm-hmm. So this is not like they heard something crazy. This is something that they've been groomed to accept from the time they first entered, before they even entered school through right. cartoons. So for them, this is not like they heard anything radical. It is just deepening the grooming deeper and deeper and deeper. So the kids don't even question it. They don't think it's weird. They think the parents are weird for questioning right. it. And, and there is a lot of subliminal messaging, too, not mm-hmm. just the overt stuff going on. Like what we've been, uh, I don't know if you followed Alpine School Districts with the flags, um, no longer being allowed to show any type of statement flags, you know, the pride flags, the MAGA flags, anything, uh, and became a really controversial topic. But this is stuff that's just going on literally just on the wall. It's mm-hmm. the stuff that's subliminal mm-hmm. going on right. in classrooms. Right. And and even the schools who say that they're not, I mean, I went to a one of those open houses right before school started, and I saw that the teacher that was going to teach my child's Utah studies had even a... He had the, not only the flags in like a little coffee cup on the corner of his thing, but he also had it on his lapel. Mm. He had them almost like, you know, like the, the pink ribbons, like for yeah, breast and, cancer. And he had those on his, his uh, lanyard. And so, you know, it's like And there's almost no ways. threat. And there's no threat to, no. to losing me because they're protected. The teachers are so protected. So two questions. What do you see coming if we don't turn things around in, in the not too far distance with our edu- kids' educational systems? And then second, and then the last thing I want to wrap up is, is what can we do? What can we do? What can we do about it? I'm going to ask answer your second question first. Okay. We need to sue the heck out of these people. Amen. Litigation. Uh, we're done playing around here. Um, I am ready to play ball, and so uh, I think parents need to 
bound together. They need to find good lawyers and we need to sue them um, and let them know that this is not acceptable. We're not going to accept anymore the fact that they're not, A, teaching our kids the academic skills that they need to teach. I mean, our, our percentages, and even in Utah, are, are horrible. Um, and second, that they are indoctrinating our kids, which should be a neutral place where our kids can go to learn. And so uh, where this is all going, and I think this is the other reason that we need to really be Cause, alarmed. Because I don't even think most parents understand that their kids are being indoctrinated. That's the problem. Right. Like, as I talk to people, I, I you have the people who are watching our show who obviously know, but the vast majority have no clue what's happening, how bad things are. They're like, oh, yeah, I heard there's some, some things like CRT, but I don't know that it's really going in our school. Mm-hmm. And, what you, and what you would tell people is that it's happening in all the schools. All the schools, yes. Uh, two different de- varying degrees, right, depending on what people are getting away with. But, yes, it is happening in all of the schools. And if it's not happening in the classroom, like you said, they're seeing it. Um, play out around them in society. Uh, the problem is, is that kids' sk- skills are being tracked and measured, right? And so they're actually giving them a score. So in, in, even in Utah here, we have Panorama Education. Is this the video you you shared? Yes. Yeah. Can we sh- yeah, can you play that? Yeah, we'd yes. love to play that. Well, let's let's we can wrap up after that because this this was pretty powerful, and you shared this at the UN as well, correct? Yes, I did. With Panorama, you can start by measuring students' social-emotional learning skills and supports with research-backed surveys and assessments. It's easy to customize a survey that meets your district's needs, as you can choose from over 22 topics like growth mindset, social awareness, and self-management, or any of the topics that align to the CASEL framework. The survey will take students about 10 to 15 minutes to complete, and teachers and staff can also rate their students' skills right from within Panorama. Once the data is collected, get immediate insight into student voice, what students are thinking, and how they feel about their skills, habits, and mindsets. See how each score compares to Panorama's national benchmarks. Then dig deeper to explore each topic in more detail, like how it's changed over time, or any gaps between student groups, and how students responded to each question individually, or any gaps between student groups, and how students responded to each question individually. Then, identify individual students' strengths and opportunities for growth by filtering student-level SEL results to create smart groups, which will update as new SEL surveys are run over time allowing you to add specific students to a group for more targeted intervention and progress monitoring. Let's highlight a couple of things about this horrific video. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. So and terrifying. Wh- and terrifying. <laughs> where do you see this going? What concerns you about what we just watched and what co- and, and where do you see this going? When you understand that these social emotional skills and their adoption of these mindsets and behaviors are being tracked and recorded in our statewide longitudinal data systems, right? So this this goes into the student backpack that, they call it the data backpack, that follows the child from school to school, grade to grade, et cetera. What are they planning to do with that information? Um, So I actually have uncovered, um, so environmental, social, and governance scores, I don't want to go into the whole kick and boot, but it's basically a social credit system for businesses. It's why you're seeing all these businesses have black squares and rainbow flags in their profile picture, it's because they're being measured on the S, which is the social, um, and how well they're playing into this progressive um, narrative of what what is acceptable in society. So if the students don't, through these SEL programs, adopt the mindset or rewire their brains to um, believe these things, and that's recorded in this data system, and when employers say they want to hire based on these ESG metrics. Oh, um, the kids are already groomed to accept it. Well, they're it's, either, it's either, they're either they're groomed to accept it and they get the job or they don't and they don't get the job. And this is all going to play into because they're even talking about now um, having these skills, these competencies be going to a digital wallet. Okay, mm-hmm. so that the children can easily give it to their employers or colleges or whatever it is. So but they're being groomed for it. They're being groomed at a young age to to um, to live in a world where you have an ESG score. You have right. it. You we're have constantly a score, assessed. Absolutely. And that's just normal. Yes. And if, and if you're too talking about the wrong questions, 
you know, you're, you're, of course you're going to get penalized, whether it's in your school or in your job or with your wallet, so that they won't rebel against this because they're groomed to accept ESG. Right, and so we're seeing this digital wallet. I mean, I know Chelsea talks about this a lot, right? The, the whole ID2020 agenda um, through the UN is that it won't just be their competencies, right? It'll be your your bank information. It'll be your property uh, title or every, anything like that. And so you, when you look at China and you see how they use their social credit system, right? Like people showed up to a protest and all of a sudden couldn't use the train and they all held up their phones. I don't know if you saw that video. It was so chilling. They held up their phones and they all had this red um, showing on it. And it was basically to say that their social score went down and therefore they couldn't now use transportation in the city. Horrifying. Horrifying, right? So so you're just going to see, like, how is this going to be used as a weapon to basically, if you can either comply or you get shut out of society, you know? And that's what makes AI fascinating and terrifying <laughs> because, you know, we all have this virtual avatar that right. we're that's what this wallet is. It's right. how, how good of a global citizen mm -hmm. you are. Um, but once you hook that into AI, you know, and, and something like ChatGBT, which isn't even in the internet yet, once it gets plugged into the internet, it becomes not just they can shut you out of things, but they can create fraudulent versions of you. And it, it right. becomes like the security nightmare, the pri privacy and security nightmare it just, it's so many layers of just dangerous territory and uncharted territory, not even like communist no. China yeah. or USSR type understanding. I mean, you can just, it's just the blueprint. It's not just the blueprint, but what they're doing in China with the social credit scores, I mean, that's exactly what they're doing to your kids is, is they're grooming them and to accept that. Yeah, it's, it's truly scary. Because um, that is the world that we are going to be in very soon. Right, and not just the And children. those who do not fit in that world will find themselves outside of that world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just <coughs> the children. Um, the next step you'll see, and you're going to hear a lot about this coming up uh, in society, is a decentralized social media platform. So Dorsey, um, who used to own Twitter, has already come out with that. Uh, I believe Elon Musk is pushing us toward that on Twitter. Um, and you're going to need a digital identity in order to participate in the public square pretty soon. And so that's the next thing we got to push push back against, not just, um, again, we're, we're building a social credit score for the entirety of society, right? So your mean tweets are going to be recorded on your digital wallet <laughs> for all to I see. I mean, there goes freedom of speech. Right. There goes the freedom. I mean, I could do, I, we could have one on, on there. Do you know that they have technology now to measure and monitor your brainwaves. Mm -hmm. Have you followed that? That right. came out the World Economic Forum. Yeah. Where they, where you will have soon wearable, not not soon. They already have wearable yep. earpieces where it actually mm -hmm. detects your brainwaves, and they can detect whether you're having a, a, uh, whether you're focused on a task, whether you're distracted, whether you're turned on and aroused. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, <laughs> when you it's plug that into this, yeah. I mean, it is terrifying where we are going. And then you add in AI, and they say they say pretty soon. Like right now, where, where the technology they have, they can decode a, your PIN number from your thoughts. Like wow. they can already decode that. I will have to do a show on that because it's yeah, phenomenal. It's fascinating. But they says that they, they, they expect soon, as soon as they can implant it, so, so instead of it's on a wearable but implantable, mm -hmm. which they're working on now. Mark of the Beast. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. They <laughs> mm -hmm. will be able to very soon be able to decode thoughts. Once they have AI in there and they'll be able to analyze everybody's brainwaves, they will be able to just know what you're thinking. Now all of a sudden you think a thought against Big Brother, just the mm -hmm. thought. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is it is almost unbelievable where we are heading. Right. And this type of technology in the hands of an authoritarian government is, and that's what we have, is these elites. So, so um, final thoughts and words, because I know we're about out of time. <laughs> I, I had a, yes. I had a what thought. Do you got? This, this might sound a little crazy conspiracy, I but I'd, I'd be curious to see how this all pans out if we were to mm -hmm. watch this episode a year from now. You know, you talk about the metaverse virtual avatar type thing, you know, where Dorsey and, and Musk, and I've never trusted him, but where, <laughs> where they're kind of heading. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also talk about everything else we've been talking about, which is basically just a mental health crisis right. that we're dealing with with our, with our children. So you have the metaverse, you have this mental health crisis that's been manufactured and perpetrated through schools. You put those together, and then all of a sudden you have a place where kids can escape to. You know, you don't want to be in this world with mom and dad and, and whoever that's controlling you. 
you can just escape to this metaverse and it's going to be this wonderful place where you can be whatever you want to be and do whatever you want to do. And I know this might be on the radar because I think we actually saw a coming attraction for a movie like this, a new Marvel type big animation. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they usually give you their plans ahead of time. So when we talk about where this is going. Uh, No, that's not just in a movie. Um, It already was in a movie. Do you remember Wally? Oh, Wally. that's right. No. The end of Wally was kind of right. like that, right? No, who is um, Facebook? Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg mm-hmm. actually said the, the next big economy is going to be the virtual economy where you are buying clothes, you're buying outfits, you're buying homes, you're buying things for your virtual self. Right. So for your virtual realities. So that's, that's because he said we are going to be spending so much time in that virtual world that that will be the next place where we start to spend money. I mean, it's on that, that virtual Basically, your avatar. It's me. It's, it's the Matrix. It is the Matrix. Is. <laughs> Literally, the Matrix. It is. Yeah, that yeah. movie came out a while ago. <laughs> I know, right? But, <laughs> but now we're living. So, it. all right. So, yeah. final th- final <clears throat> thoughts. Um, I mean, you you understand what's going on in our schools. What's coming? The the concerns better than you know. Very few people understand it like you understand it. What would be your final, you know, words of advice for our listeners? For me. All of this goes back to we're losing our humanity. Mm. Uh, it goes back to that quote that I, I included in my UN speech, right? Like we're, we're making virtual humans or robots. And I think that as people, we need to bring forth the idea that you're not truly living if you're not truly connecting. Mm. And, you know, we even get taken over, right? Like we have, we're in our phones all day long and our kids are in their tablets all day long and it's it's very hard it's addictive right like you're saying it's i mean how much better it is to to be in this virtual world where you know everything's kind of laid out for you than to deal with the very complex relationships that we have in our life and so i think we need to start as a society valuing connection whether that be with our kids whether that be with each other and putting down our devices um to have conversations like these. And yeah. I think that's where we need to, to I go. Love it. Less I love co- it. Less connected to the internet and more connected and in how our much, relationships. And how much did they use the, the pandemic to ju- to push that? Right. We, we don't shake hands anymore. Now we just fist bump. You know, <laughs> we, elbow we, bump, we Elbow right? bump, right? <laughs> it's, it's, you know, we, we do things virtually. We I mean, they have groomed us mm-hmm. to be ready for that next step, which is to be completely alone from everyone else, which is, which is dangerous. I mean... That's where ideas are spread is when people are face-to-face, when we can talk about the big brother, when we talk right. about the problems we see and be free to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, got any closing thoughts, baby? I think that was it. Yeah, she's, <laughs> I think that was it. Yeah, she's <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Lisa, tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can follow you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at I am Lisa Logan. Uh, you can find me on Substack at Education Manifesto and on YouTube on my channel, Parents of Patriots. Awesome. And just gold yeah. content. And I'm going to say it again. You know, Utah is <laughs> beyond corrupt. It's a cradle of the fourth industrial revolution. Thank you. Know. you. Okay. An- <laughs> another, another witness. The, Utah <laughs> they wrote is, about it in the Deseret News. That was the title. Okay. <laughs> Utah is, is the cradle for the fourth industrial revolution, which is this new AI world that's coming. This mm-hmm. new UN world, the 15 minute city. Utah yep. is the cradle. That being said, there's, you know, there's nowhere, there's nowhere to run away to, but, but, there's, but there's no reason to run, run away because while there is deep corruption seated here in Utah, we have people like Lisa Logan. We have so many, and I will tell you on the, on the, on the side of educators, I mean, we could go down a list of, we have, we have the most insanely incredible women in this state who are standing up against the, the, the indoctrinations going on in our schools. Yes, there's deep corruption here, but we have so many incredible patriots. I think there are more patriots in this state than anywhere in the world. You have the highest concentration of people who will live and die for this country here. There's no, no better place to be. And so this is ground zero. So for those of you who are listening, uh, you do have a role to play. Uh, we need more people standing up like Lisa. We need more people getting involved, uh, standing up, speaking up, standing up in, in your schools for the for the young people, you know, standing up against the mobs, not being afraid to stand up against all the people who say you're crazy or you're white you're, you're, or you're, you know, you're this or you're, you know, you're an oppressor. Courage 
people are looking for people of courage and and courage breeds courage so stand up against this and, stuff. and talk to your kids you know don't don't take the aloof mm-hmm. attitude of just oh you know the teachers are in charge and they're they know what's best well lisa was saying about you know sitting around the the kitchen table and talking about hey what are you learning and these important principles get involved with what your kids are learning in school yeah raise your kids raise yes. your kids. raise your kids and, 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 and if you can and it's you know and this is why it's they've destroyed the family but if you can you know raise your kids including you educate your kids don't mm-hmm. leave that to a state that it had that their agenda is to destroy your family destroy this country take that education take that upon yourselves don't pass if you if i know some some families don't have the ability to homeschool kids but if you can raise your own kids if you can take that you will be creating leaders in a world of people of sheep and this world needs leaders and those leaders are being raised in their homes they're not being raised in these in the factory schools so yeah and the children in our country are worth fighting for they are and this is why we're here Mm -hmm. it is an amazing it is honestly mind-blowing i mean what an amazing time to be alive and, and mm-hmm. how sad be alive and have no idea what's happening in the world because we are living in the most phenomenal time in this world has ever seen. And yes, it's scary. Yes, it's terrifying. Yes, it's mind-blowing. But, but how sad be to be asleep and not see what's going on around us? Like you're living in the most incredible movie that the world has ever created. You are living in it. And you can either be checked out, plugged in, and have no clue what's going on, or you can be awake seeing it and participating and shaping it. And Lisa, thank you for being one of those people that are shaping history. Oh, thank you. I'm, it. Like I said, it's it's a compulsion. Uh, I must, and we must win. And we will. And we will. So thank you guys for listening. Please like, share, uh, subscribe, and let's go. We'll see you on the next one. See you on the next one.